3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And this is episode 15. 15 episodes so far. I hope you guys are still enjoying it. So, to put a lot of work into oh it. Oh my gosh, you don't even know. <laughs> um, but today's episode, we're going to be telling you s- history of the Wendigo and also a few encounter tales from people who have possibly encountered a Wendigo at some point in their life. And this episode might be a little bit on the longer side because I found two shorter encounter tales and one longer encounter tale. So it might be a little bit on the long side. So we can go ahead and hop into it and get started. There's so many movies and shows about it. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't, um, was it Until Dawn? Until Dawn was not a Wendigo game. I think. Oh, don't ask me about games. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. I don't want to ruin anything, but I I know there are some video games that have Wendigo-based lore that you can play. I have to be careful with some of those because I am not a good scary video game player. I will break something. <laughs> I almost broke. You remember, were we all playing Dead by Daylight or were you and Will not dating then? Because we were in the Kernersville house. No, you were dating then. Yeah. I just maybe you didn't play it. I didn't it. play it. Okay, maybe you didn't play it. I don't it. think I had a computer then. Oh my god. Maybe it was before you were living with them. But <laughs> Dead by Daylight, mm-mm. I thought I was going to break my keyboard. I thought I was going to break my mouse. I screamed a lot. Thank god we lived in our own house at that time. I was like, I can't play this game anymore. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Okay, so Wendigo stories. Let's get started. The Wendigo is a mythological creature or evil spirit which originates from the folklore of Plains and Great Lakes natives, as well as some First Nations. It is based in and around the East Coast forests of Canada, the Great Plains region of the United States, and the Great Lakes region of the United States and Canada. Grouped in modern ethnology, grouped in modern ethnology as speakers of Algonquin family languages. Uh, the Wendigo is often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses human beings. The Wendigo is said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed or hunger, the desire to cannibalize other humans as well as the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence in some representations the wendigo is described as a giant humanoid with a heart of ice a foul stench or sudden unseasonable chill might precede its approach possibly due to long-time identification by europeans with their own superstitions about werewolves for example as mentioned in the Jesuit relations below. Hollywood film representations often label human or beast hybrids, sorry, human and beast hybrids featuring antlers or horns with the Wendigo name, but such animal features do not appear in the original indigenous stories. In modern psychiatry, the Wendigo lends its name to a form of psychosis known as Wendigo psychosis. That's such a clever name. which is characterized by symptoms such as an intense craving for human flesh and an intense fear of becoming a cannibal. Those are pretty much one and the same, though. Like, 
uh, Wendigo psychosis is described as a culture-bound syndrome. In some First Nation communities, the other symptoms such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment are also thought to be symptoms of Wendigo psychosis. In Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, West Main Swamp, West Main Swampy Cree, Naskapi, and Inu lore, Wendigos are often described as giants that are many times larger than human beings, a characteristic absent from myths in other Algonquin cultures. Whenever a Wendigo ate another person, it would grow in proportion to the meal it had just eaten, so it could never be full. Therefore, Wendigos are portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and extremely thin due to starvation. The Wendigo is seen as the embodiment of gluttony, greed, and excess. Never satisfied after killing and consuming one person, they are constantly searching for new victims. A Wendigo need not lose the human's power of cognition or speech, and in some depictions may clearly communicate with its prospective victims or even threaten or taunt them. In some traditions, humans overpowered by greed could turn into Wendigos. The myth thus served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. Other sources say Wendigos were created when a human resorted to cannibalism to survive. Humans could also turn into Wendigos by being in contact with them for too long. Although in many recorded cases of Wendigo psychosis, the individual individual has been killed to prevent cannibalism from resulting. Some Cree folklore recommends treatment by ingestion of fatty animal meats or drinking animal grease. Those treated may sometimes vomit ice as part of the curing process. One of the more famous cases of Wendigo psychosis reported involving a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner. During the winter of 1878, Swift Runner and his family were starving, and his eldest son died. 25 miles away from emergency food supplies at a Hudson Bay company post, Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies and that he killed and consumed the remains of all those present, it was revealed that Swift Runner's was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather of a man with Wendigo psychosis. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities in Fort Saskatchewan. Another well-known case involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. In some cases, this entailed killing people with Wendigo psychosis. As a result, in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for homicide. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of this pardon. That's crazy, for one. But also, what you had said, oh, um, Wendigos were created when a human resorted to cannibalism to survive. That's what I've always heard about Wendigos, is, yeah, they come from, like, a lot of, like, lore and stuff, but, like, that's the main reason that I've always heard Wendigos becoming, how humans become Wendigos, is that they just resort to cannibalism, so. Yeah. <laughs> Fascination with Wendigo psychosis among Western ethnog ethnographers, psychologists, and anthropologists led to a hotly debated controversy in the 1980s over the, over the historicity, historicity, historic, historicity, his, no, I'm gonna say historicity. 
Okay. In the 1980s, over the historicity of this phenomenon, some researchers argued that essentially Wendigo psychosis psychosis was a fabrication, the result of a naive anthropology. Anthro what? My God. Some researchers argued that essentially window psychosis was a fabrication, the result of a naive anthropologist of the result of naive anthropologist taking stories related to them at face value without observation. Others have pointed to a number of credible eyewitness accounts, both by Algonquins and others, as evidence that Wendigo psychosis was a factual historical phenomenon. The frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases decreased sharply in the 20th century as Boreal Algonquin people came into greater and greater contact with European ideologies and more sedentary, less rural lifestyles. Other creatures based on the legend or named for it appear in various films and television shows, including Dark Was the Night and Ravenous. Television series include Teen Wolf, Supernatural, Blood Ties, Charmed, Grimm, and Hannibal, where an FBI profiler has recurring dreams or visions of a Wendigo that symbolizes the titular cannibalistic serial killer. A Wendigo appears in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, which... I wanted to throw that in there because when I was reading that, it what? threw me off so hard. I was like, <laughs> you need to watch this now? <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> We're going to watch that after we finish this. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to throw me off so hard. Oh, my God. Well, I, I gotta collect myself. Oh God. Oh my God. There's worse ones. <laughs> Ducktails? Oh my God. Hold on a second. Um, <laughs> we have to. Yes. My God. We have to. F- <laughs> oh God. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Whoo, man. <laughs> Okay, before we move on, we have to find, not move on, like, before we move on and do another episode today, we have got to find that, because I can't, God, it's been, like, probably, like, two weeks since I did this story, so I don't, I don't remember, (laughs) and so just reading that again really threw me off, like, I'm crying, oh my god, okay, whoo collect myself okay so a wendigo appears in my little pony friendship is magic hearth's warming eve under the pun title of windigo like w-i-n-d-i-g-o and the ducktales christmas special last christmas which jesus we're looking that up too in which creatures are described as poor souls turned into monsters by obsession and desperation. So clearly they left the um, cannibalism part. Yeah. I cannot. I forgot that I put that shit in here. Because, oh my god. Like, oh my god. Okay. Uh, a Wendigo appears in the 2020 horror film The Retreat. The 2015 horror horror survival video game Until Dawn, I told you it was in Until Dawn, by Supermassive Games features Wendigos as the main antagonist. Wrist, the 2016 debut novel by Canadian horror fiction writer Nathan Nagan Newton Alder. God, what a name. 
was based on the story of the Wendigo. The 2015 series Summoner by Taryn Matharu featured a type of demon known as a Wendigo. In the 2018 role-playing game Fallout 76 by Bethesda Game Studios, Wendigos are featured as one of the cryptid enemies found in the area of Appalachia, which if you play Fallout, you know that it takes place in the Appalachians. Mutated from people who consumed human flesh in isolation. In the 2018 first-person shooter video game Dusk, Wendigos are featured as strong enemies that remain invisible to the player until they receive damage. Several of these creatures also appear in the game's cover art. And in the 2021 film Antlers by Scott Cooper, Frank, Luca's father, transforms into a Wendigo, which is portrayed as a deer-like creature with a glowing heart that moves from person to person with a never-ending hunger. Guillermo del Toro, producer of the film, developed the Wendigo on the basis that the more the creature eats, the more it gets hungry, and the more it gets hungry, the weaker it becomes. I have seen Antlers. You have? Yes. It was, um... I have not seen it. It's really it's, interesting. Clearly, it's pretty new, because it came out last year, but... Uh, yeah. When it says they uh, move from person to person, mm-hmm. like, spoiler alert, they kill it. Yeah. They kill the Wendigo. Oh, man. And then it moves into the other boy, the brother, oh. that was there. So then they kill him. And they so think, it's just like a never-ending cycle. So they think like it's killing. over. <laughs> Or they're worried it's going to go to the other brother that's still alive. Wow. But it turns out it was the man that helped save them. Got, like, scratched wow. by it. Wow. And then it just ends with you knowing that he's going to turn into one. Yeah. It was really good. So you can thank Charlie for ruining that movie for you guys if you have not seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I don't. It's fine. So, sorry. <laughs> good movie, you know. I'm so sorry. I lost my shit at My Little Pony. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that just seriously threw me off reading that again. Because I was like, I'm telling you, like, I researched these stories, like, weeks in advance. And I didn't remember. So, that really, I am leaving that whole section in there of me laughing my ass <laughs> off to it. Because, good Lord. <laughs> like, okay, so Charlie's going to read the first encounter tale. It's pretty short. Okay. So the first encounter tale. This happened a year ago, whenever this was written. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when it was written. (laughs) A year ago from when this was written, I still haven't told many people about it because it still shakes me to my core. I was home with my dad. We live on the outside of town near miles of deep, dark forest. It was around 11 p.m. My dad had gone to bed, but I sat out in the living room and watched a movie and pigged out on some food. I got up and walked down to the restroom While walking down the hallway, I noticed the outside was really quiet. There were no coyotes howling, and our cows weren't mooing. I thought it was strange, but quickly just forgot. I did my business in the restroom, and while I was washing my hands, I looked out the window, and to my right, it is about seven to eight feet off the ground. I saw what I thought was a face. It looked pale, and like it had half of its face just gone or rotting. Of course, I thought it was just my eyes playing tricks on me, but then the motion sensor light turned on, and I saw it in all of its ugly and scary glory. I looked at it while it looked at me. I stood there staring at it. I stood like that for so long, it could have been minutes or an hour. Just as I thought it couldn't get any worse, the thing moved and took off running into the woods. I stood there for a while longer before I moved again. I ran and told my dad. He didn't think much of it, but he got up and went outside to check 
and I grabbed a shotgun. Luckily, the thing was gone. I haven't seen it since, but one thing is for sure, I will never stay home alone or stay up late ever again. I would thoroughly agree to not staying home alone or staying up late. I would just move. (laughs) Yeah, I think that... (laughs) Throw the whole house away. Yes. (laughs) That would be probably, like, the best uh, situation, (laughs) guys. Okay, so the second encounter tale, me and Charlie are going to split up. Um, I'll read a little bit of it, and she'll read the other half. Okay, so late fall 2010, in northern Canada, I went deep into the wilderness with my father and my eldest brother to hunt for moose. We left in the early morning, just before sunrise, trying to cover as much distance as possible before nightfall. We traveled winding rivers and had to repeatedly portage over rapids all day, so we decided to set up camp just over halfway to our destination. My father figured that we'd make the rest of the journey tomorrow. Well, when everyone was bedding down for the night, I decided to go grab some firewood and relieve myself by the bank of the river, just out of reach of the light from the campfire. Out from the tree line about 15 yards away, I could hear rustling in the bushes. I watched the area where I heard the noise and focused on that spot. I felt kind of fuzzy, like dizzy and lightheaded, and I could smell this putrid stink, like old milk or rotten food. Then I saw trees start to morph and move ever so slightly and began to take sh- and began to take the shape of a head and slight facial features. My eyes began to adjust to the darkness along the tree line. I could hear this voice coming from there. I recognized it. The voice sounded like one of my relatives who had recently passed. The face took the shape of my relative. Hello, they said. I've missed you. Come see me. I smiled and stepped forward a bit, but stopped to analyze the situation. My relative's face stopped smiling and became emotionless. The skin began to turn pale and peel away. Chunks of flesh from their cheeks began to fall away, and I felt shock and fear overwhelm my body. I couldn't make sense of it all, so I started to back away and make my way to camp. I didn't realize at the time that I had been walking towards the voice and I was further away from the firelight. The voice became angry and began shouting at me to come here. So I turned to run away, but as I looked back one more time, I saw the most disgusting thing I had ever seen. It was rotting flesh on gnawed bone, caved in eyes, and a hollow chest cavity. This humanoid creature was tall and super thin. I ran as fast as I could, trying to yell for help, but the fear had made my voice quiet and raspy. I ran along the riverbank, and I could hear the heavy breaths and the stomping feet from this thing right behind me. I made it onto the top of the riverbank, but it grabbed a hold of my legs as I jumped. I tripped and tore the grass, trying to lift myself, and yelled as loud as I could. Then finally my voice came back, and I yelled, "'Someone has my leg!' My brother woke up and ran over to where I was, then he pulled me up and took me over to the fire. I was terrified, trying to explain what I saw and that it looked like my relative, but not. I was trying to convince them that I wasn't seeing things, but my brother nodded his head and said, I saw it too, I know. That solidified it. He acknowledged that it was real. We stayed up all night after that, rifles loaded and close by. We packed up when the sun was coming and went back home. We haven't shared that story with anyone out of fear of being labeled as crazy or liars. I've had nightmares and couldn't sleep for months afterwards. I would see things or dark figures looking into my window or hear whispers when I was walking home at night. Eventually, I was seeing this dark figure daily. I went to a medicine man or shaman for help, but I've learned that the ceremonies only relieve it temporarily. Friends have given me everything from protection pouches to certain crystals. I found out that there's a strong possibility that I encountered a Wendigo. I learned that if you encounter one and survive, it attaches itself to you like a parasite. 
I learned that I could only do this if it touches you, which it did. Ever since that night, I've been on edge when I enter any forest or wooded area, which sucks because I love being outdoors and hunting and in nature. Now I always feel like I need to keep my back against something when I'm out in the wild. Oh my god, I could not. I would not. Mm, I don't want to be outside after that either. At least someone else saw it. Yeah, that confirmation. Oh man. Okay, so last encounter tale. Growing up in the mountains of North Georgia, camping and hiking were things me and my brother did so often, and it so often it was second nature. So anytime Ryan and I had a break from school, we would head straight for the woods. We packed our gear, let our parents know where we were going, and that was that. No questions asked. We decided to camp about midway through Jack's River Trail in the Cahuta Wilderness. I hope that's how you say that. And it's a trail we knew fairly well, as we had used it a few times before practicing long hikes. We arrived at the trailhead around lunchtime, parked our car, got our gear out, and headed into the woods. We passed a few hikers as we moved along and asked them how the trail looked, and the answer was always the same. Wet. Jack's River Trail probably crossed the river 50 times as it went along its 17-mile-plus journey, and with the colder temperatures of late fall settling, it was harder for the trail to stay dry. We moved deeper into the trail and started to look for a place to make camp. This is where Ryan and I made our first mistake. You see, Ryan and I have this rule. We don't camp near people, if at all possible. Call us paranoid, but the last thing we want is for someone to drag us out of our tents and into the woods never to be seen again completely rational fear trust me (laughs) yeah so so we always camped a pretty decent way off the trail and in the area that wasn't popular with overnight camping roughly two and a half hours or so we found what we thought was a perfect place to set up for the two nights and we would be out we came up to horseshoe bend and ventured about half a mile off the trail into a clearing to set up. We built a teepee fire for the night and pitched our tents on either side. Uh, After setting up and unloading, we decided to walk back to the trail and go exploring around some of the many swimming holes Jack's River had to offer. This was during Thanksgiving break, and I remember being surprised at how few people were on the trail. Maybe it was the weather or the fact that this was early in the week, but there didn't seem to be anyone hiking, much less staying the night. Around five o'clock, Ryan and I headed back to camp to start our fire, make dinner, and settle in for the night. As soon as the sun began to set, the cold rushed in. We added more wood to the fire, sat close, and just enjoyed conversation. Ryan was two years behind me in school. I was a senior and he was a sophomore, but growing up, we had always been close. We always hung out in the same groups, played the same sports, had the same hobbies, etc. Around nine, we were settled comfortably around the fire. I had just texted our mom to let her know we were safe and getting ready for bed, and I remembered we were talking about dreading going to our grandparents' house for Thanksgiving and having the same awkward conversations we had each year with family we only saw on holidays when things started to get strange. We were no stranger to sounds in the woods, and these woods were full of animals, from deer to black bears and even the random wild boar. If you were in the woods enough, you learned to distinguish certain sounds, and what we were hearing I could only chalk up to as odd. What Ryan and I heard was what sounded like someone sneaking around slowly just out of eyesight. With an animal walking on four legs, you hear a tighter group of steps, but we were hearing sounds very distinct to what a human sounds like when walking slowly or trying to move without making much sound. 
I remembered we both pulled out our flashlights and showed it in the direction we felt the sounds were coming from, but that is what was so weird. Whenever we would fix our lights on the spot we thought the sound was coming from, the location of the sound would suddenly change. It was as if there were multiple people walking around us. That's when the whistling started. At first I thought it was the wind, and I remember thinking maybe the wind is just throwing leaves around, and what we're hearing is nothing but the wilderness around us. Ryan looked at me and asked if I was hearing that. I didn't answer and was trying to focus hard on each individual sound. Two consecutive notes with roughly a three to four second gap, and then two more consecutive notes, over and over again. Ryan kept asking me if I had heard that, and I put my fingers to my lips trying to keep him from talking. The fear I felt was incredible. My jaw was tight, my fists clenched, knowing that I wasn't ready for whatever was out there if anything, if it was anything at all. The whistling continued for what felt like forever, but thinking it through was maybe five minutes when Ryan yelled out into the darkness, Hey! Quiet. The whistling stopped. The crunching of the wood stopped. Nothing. I was pissed. I look at Ryan with the what the hell look, and he just shrugged his shoulders. I had to do something, he said. I just shook my head. No, you didn't have to do anything. You could have just shut up, like he had been <laughs> telling you to shut up, but... We sat there in silence for a few minutes when the woods erupted with noise. Something or someone was running in a circle around our campsite. The whistling came back, which the whistling, I've, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Like anytime you're in like the Appalachia, Appalachian mountains at all, and you hear whistling, don't DTFO acknowledge it, ignore it and run away. Walk yes. away slowly. Yeah. Because if you're running, you're acknowledging it. Yeah. That's what they say, like, in the myths of, like, Wendigos and, like, the yeah. skinwalkers. Oh, my Just God, yeah. walk away. I'm sure we'll do an episode on skinwalkers eventually, too. But, man, just, if you hear whistling in the Appalachian Mountains, don't go to it. But don't ignore it, but don't acknowledge that it's there, either. Just be aware of it. Oh my god. Two consecutive notes with the same three to four second gap and then two more consecutive notes. How could someone whistle this loudly without cracking while also running? I was done. I stood up, shining my flashlight in all directions, trying to catch a glimpse of whatever was screwing with us. Nothing. It felt close enough to touch, but we never saw a thing. That's when the movement stopped, but the whistling was still constant. It was so loud. Inhumanly loud. I looked at Ryan and told him to call the police. Now, this is the part I will never forget. The part I never like to talk about. While Ryan was on the phone with a dispatcher and telling them our location and what was going on, I stepped around the fire towards my tent. Inside my bag, I had a six inch fixed blade that I always carried and thought I would feel a bit more comfortable with it in my hand more than just my flashlight. As I went to unzip my tent, trying to keep my eyes towards the woods, I heard some movement directly in front of me. I swept my light up in front of me, and for maybe two seconds, I saw it. Whatever this person or thing was, it was about five feet up in a tree. Everything about it was long. Its arms, legs, neck, fingers, everything. And it was fast. As soon as the light hit it, it launched backwards off the tree. I heard it land, but it either jumped an impossible distance or landed in a thicket because I heard it, but never saw it. I don't think I've ever yelled so loudly. I ran back to where Ryan was and sat down. He kept asking me what I saw, but I couldn't answer. I just kept thinking about what I saw. Maybe 10 minutes later, we saw a couple of flashlight beams coming through the woods, 
and about three guys came into view asking if everything was okay. I settled a bit and started asking them if they had seen or heard anything. All they said was they heard a lot of movement and then heard my scream, and that's when they headed in our direction. I tried to explain what had happened without sounding crazy, but it didn't seem to work. One of the guys walked around a bit and came back and said he didn't see anything. Ryan told him that we called the police, and roughly 30 minutes later, a park ranger showed up. Ryan and I tried explaining everything to him, but he just chalked it up to either a curious animal or some campers trying to mess with us. Either way, Ryan and I decided we weren't staying the night. We packed our stuff up and walked out of the woods with the ranger. He took our statement and we got in our car and drove home. Ryan and I don't talk about what happened that night, but neither of us have been back to Jack's River Trail and will probably never go back. Yeah, I can't say that I blame them for not wanting to go back because I wouldn't either. Not after that um, experience, but also good on them for literally GTFOing. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy though because it said they're like a senior and a sophomore in like high school. Yeah. Right? They're so young. And they're on their own in the woods. Gosh. But this was 2000, and it was in 2010, too? Mm Mm-mm. Right? Was this one 2010, or was that one the previous one? That was the previous one. Oh, well. Anyway. It doesn't have a date. So, definitely looking up the My Little Pony thing, and if I find this, if I find it on YouTube, which I probably will, I will be posting the link on the website. (laughs) Because, man, that is... (laughs) I still can't get over that. Oh my gosh. My resources for this story were Wikipedia for the background on the Wendigo, and then I got all of the encounter tales off of Reddit. Love a good Reddit story. Yes. They're scary. They can be. That's where I got the Hoyabacha story from. That one was freaky. Man. I liked this story. I just, the, God, I can't believe it threw me off so much about the My Little Pony definitely looking that up though so but other than that i mean we hope you guys enjoyed this episode as well as as much as we did yeah so be careful in the appalachian mountains yeah like we always say trust us we're from here we know what we're talking about (laughs) that's it for today thanks for coming to hang out with us and listening to our show Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All the links can be found on our website, 3, the number 3, not the word, 3amtalesofterror.com. You can also subscribe with your email for updates there as well. If you have any questions for us or story ideas, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. We hope you'll join us next week, and And we hope hope you were terrified. terrified.